This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Eric Francis Show. It's Monday. We do this every Monday from noon to 1 o'clock. We want storytellers. We want stories. And we've got a couple of good storytellers today. One story is not a good one, but it's uh, hopefully it's got a a better ending to it than he's had over the last year. Brandon Sutter joins us first uh, to start the show. And Rich Sutter, his uncle, will start us uh, off in the second half of the show at uh, around 1230. Uh, but first, our first guest, Brandon Sutter, was a first-round draft pick in 2007. You obviously know the name. You know the story. He's missed the entire season this year with long COVID. And uh, he's now back on the ice. That's a good news story. I spoke to him just the other day, and he was telling me that He's skating with the Red Deer Rebels. With uh, more on his situation, we go uh, to, I believe, Red Deer or Sylvan Lake area. Brandon, where are you right now, my friend? Actually in Red Deer, heading for a skate. So I'll be, uh, I'll be like you mentioned, this game with the Rebels here. So just uh, getting into town and, uh, yeah, see my, see what my body can do. We'll, we'll see how it goes. How are you feeling these days? Just generally speaking, not hockey-wise, but just as a, as a human yeah. being. Yeah, much better. Much, much better for sure. It's been a long road uh, going back almost two years now. So it's been uh, it's been a grind, something I definitely didn't anticipate or anyone anticipated. But uh, at least starting to figure out what's going on. And uh, at least we know the, the issues we're dealing with now. And since we kind of realized what we have going on, it's uh, been trending the right way. Um, the longest or the hardest part was taking forever to figure out what, what, what the issue was and why I was feeling so crappy all the time. So it... Uh, feels good to have some answers and I'm um, at least trending the right way. And what, what was the issue? I mean, we all just use the term long COVID, but what did that entail? What were the symptoms you were dealing with? Yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with the virus itself anymore. It just has to do with uh, how your immune system reacted to it. Um, okay. And I basically, uh, you basically have kind of, like a, I guess, a dysregulated immune system. It's just a response from your body. And um Figuring out why that happened is is the the kind of the pickle and all of it. It's the hard part to figure out. But uh, um, just cleaning up all the issues now and um, seeing the right doctors and right people. So it's uh, like I said, it's it's kind of a tricky thing when you start talking about immune system stuff. It's not something that's really common knowledge to most doctors either. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's tough. But like I said, I'm glad I'm seeing the right people and uh, it's helped me out a lot. Are there any other players that you've talked to that are going through anything like this, or is there anybody you can kind of talk to about it even outside the hockey world? Uh, you know, the only guy that uh, hockey-wise is Jonathan Taves, and, and uh, he had reached out to me last year, and we talked about it a bit, and I didn't really understand the things he was talking about when he was talking about what he had going on. And fast forward to this year, and uh, I've kind of realized that there's a lot of similarities, and uh, uh, so it's been good to at least have someone to talk to about it. And, and other people that I've met uh, away from hockey that have had it, and I, you know, I go to I go to a clinic in Calgary, and there's people there dealing with it too. So you know you're not alone. It's just uh, it's just a rare thing, and um, you know, fortunately, no one else that are close to me or teammates or anyone like that uh, had any bad uh, long-lasting effects. But unfortunately, yeah, I did. So just dealing with them day at a time and uh, taking it day by day. Has the uh, league or the NHLBA, NHLPA been of assistance uh, throughout this? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I've been in touch with the, the one lady from the PA about it. and um, Again, it's kind of an unprecedented thing. No one really knows. No one could figure out why I was having the issues. You know, I, I even our doctors in Vancouver would, you know, would try everything with me and run me through all these tests and, and, and nothing would ever show up. And, um, 
I just don't know if the you know immune system issues and and, and why they happen. Uh, like I said, it's not a it's not a common thing. It's not something that a typical you know family doctor knows about. So it's just uh, it, it really is tricky. And um, I've had some help with naturopaths and, and things like that. Things that again are a little bit outside the uh, the normal realm of things to do, but you hit a point where you're desperate and you'll try anything and, and uh, you know, lo and behold, they're the ones that are figuring it out for me. So it's uh, like I said, it's good to have answers and um, in terms of the PA and stuff, there's not much, you know, that they can probably do. I mean, I don't really know. Yeah. It's hard to know where to, where to go. And um, it, again, when you have, you know, stomach issues or you feel like you have lung issues and you go get things checked out and everything comes back normal, you can't figure out why you're having digestive problems, why you can't breathe, why all this stuff's happening. And, uh, when you learn about, you know, the immune system and how it all works, uh, it kind of makes more sense. Is it affected? I'm assuming it's affected your 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 everyday life, like in terms of even just being a dad. I don't know if you've got fatigue and you, ha- yeah. you can't play with the kids as much. Is that is that true? Yeah, it was horrible for a while. Um, we had our third baby here this past summer, so uh, or uh, sorry, I guess a year and a half ago now when I was going when I was really bad going through it. So mm-hmm. I was uh, I was pretty much pretty much useless i could help out on the house a little bit but uh it was a tough tough few months my wife and i and uh especially for her being being pregnant and then having the baby we had we have three kids so um it was it, it was a grind and i i couldn't even really go for a walk outside I, I i just couldn't do anything i'd be so fatigued and i'd be so so out of breath all the time it almost felt like you were suffocating all the time and it was just horrible so wow um it, it, it is bizarre, and, and uh, again, now that I've learned about it and, and I'm on the right supplements to kind of help me, you know, help with symptoms and stuff like that, I've learned a lot about it, and it helps. But like you said, for a while, just as a dad, I wasn't uh, I wasn't very useful. So it's good to kind of get back and at least be able to do normal things with my kids this winter. It's been, you know, kind of nice to have not, even not playing this year recovery and just hanging out with the kids, doing things outside, things I kind of yeah. missed out on. So. There's always, uh, I guess, a little bit of blessing in disguise with all of it, but uh, I'm definitely happy that the worship it's behind me. We're talking to Brandon Sutter. Uh, his father, Brent Sutter, of course, uh, owns and operates the Red Deer Rebels, and now you're skating with that team, and that was your junior team that you starred with as well. Uh, before we get into you skating with them again right now and looking forward, can I just ask you about, you know, I remember talking to your dad when you were going through this a year and a half ago, and I mean, obviously, he was terrified as a father, as a grandfather, um, as a human being. He was just very worried for you. And, and of course, you were very worried yourself. Can you just kind of describe the scene, the situation? You had COVID, and I think you came back when the whole team got COVID in Vancouver. You came back home, and they basically said, you, you can't even distance your. How, how could you distance yourself from your pregnant wife, your, your, your children? It's they're going to get it eventually, so you might as well just meld in with them and try to do the best you can. How chaotic was that scene? <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. Um, well, we had a game in Vancouver. I can't remember who we were supposed to play. Right before the game, the game got canceled because we had a couple guys test positive. And then I think it was the next day at practice, we came back. No one knew what was going on. We practiced, and it was a couple of days later that we all tested positive. It was just a bizarre thing. So. I remember going home, found out I had, I had COVID, and uh, at that point my wife would have been, yeah, about five months pregnant, I guess. But we um, came home, and I, I moved down to the basement, and it, I was feeling horrible. The first few days were horrible. Um, and then you're trying to separate from your kids. If you're in the same house, and you've been with them yeah. all the way to that point. So nothing, you know, it's just one of those things. Nothing really makes sense. Um, <laughs> turn, turns out yeah. we all got it anyways. They already had it. So, um 
I mean, the good part was we all got it so we could be together. And, and uh, mm-hmm. luckily the kids and my wife, everyone was fine. But yeah, so we took two or three weeks off. We came back, started practicing again and picked up our games and um, finished out that season. Um, and I never really had much, much issue. There were some days where I felt the shortness of breath a bit, but it would kind of come and go. And I couldn't really figure out why. And then um, moving on through the summer, I started training and skating you know, through June, July, I, I just felt okay, but I was able to do things and I just thought it would go away. Um, and then by August, I was just like, it hit a point where I just had to stop. Like I just, I couldn't breathe. And I was, every day I'd work out, I'd feel worse. Then I started getting fatigued and it was just this bizarre thing. So, and then on top of all that, the stress and anxiety of it all just drove you crazy because you couldn't figure out what was going on. And, um, yeah, it, it wasn't fun. It was, it was not a fun period of time, but no, um, hey, we made it through, and, and like I said, uh, for my wife and our, our kids, it was it was tough on them too. So I'm just glad to be kind of done all that. But it's uh, again, not a lot of it makes sense. I don't really know how to explain it to people that haven't been through it. But when you talk to people that have been through it, they're all saying the exact same thing. So it's uh, it's pretty wild. Are, are you at the point where you feel like you're out of the woods, or is this something you worry that you may just it may just be recurring throughout you know for, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I, again, you never know that answer, but uh, I feel like now I'm, I'm 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 working through it, and and I definitely see kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I think um, I'm able to work out again and and just do everyday things. I've been skating with the Rebels a couple of days a week just to kind of stay in shape, and and I I can't quite do the things I want to do. I can't quite push it to a level that I need to, but um, more or less, I'm getting better, and I hope that as time goes on, in the next couple of months, um, there's always still things we're working on and waiting for some more results and stuff that there is uh, definitely hope that it'll be all behind me here soon. So I hope by, hopefully by midsummer, I'm back to my normal self and, and uh, I can kind of decide where to go from there. But uh, in the meantime, like I said, I, you know, I like staying in shape. I like working on that kind of stuff. So we're a pretty active family. So it's good to stay active and, and I'll just see where it goes. Okay. Yeah. So moving forward, uh, a PTO, is that, is that kind of your best case scenario? You're hoping that at some point you're going to feel good enough that you could start talking to teams and potentially, someone might have interest in you showing up at training camp and, and, and seeing if you can give it another shot in the national hockey league. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. Um, that's the goal for sure for right now. Um, you know, it's kind of hard when you, um, you know, having three kids now we move back home and it's, it's, it's nice being home and you're kind of settled a bit, but there's definitely part of me that just really doesn't want my career to end the way that, that it has to this point. And um, I think any player that's, you know, held had their career taken from them from injury or whatever it is not an easy thing to go through and it's it's frustrating um but you obviously are you know count your blessings for your family and and uh, you just hope that you're healthy first and foremost and uh if i can get that down then i'll then i'll kind of look to the future but um yeah if i again by midsummer if i'm feeling good I'm, i'll probably you know give it my best chance to go for it and it'll probably end up being a, a pto somewhere it probably works out best for myself and for whichever team just because uh i can really see what how it goes through training camp and make sure i'm I'm able to do it and um if i don't think i'm able to then i won't but uh it's definitely definitely want to get back at it even just for one year um it would just be awesome to to get back to it and even my kids you know my my kids are six four and one now and the last couple of years with covid they haven't been able to be around the ring so i haven't really had the chance to kind of share you know, hockey with them in the way that I yeah. kind of dreamt I would. So I kind of, you know, I'd like to have them running around the rink like I was when I was a kid. It's kind of a cool <laughs> thing. So I, I would like that one year to uh, to give it a chance. 
Excellent. Uh, we're talking to Brandon Sutter. He's a member of the Vancouver Canucks, but hasn't played this year, dealing with long COVID, working his way back, uh, hopefully to uh, get a shot, another shot at the NHL, as you just talked about. Let, let's talk it just briefly, and I know you've got to go because you got to drive your, your kid to school, but uh, the, the Flames, so full of former Canucks. You know so many of these guys on this team. Obviously, there's connections with your uncle, Daryl, and, and so many other things. Uh, you keep an eye on the Calgary Flames right now, or are you watching the, the, the Canucks intensely? Are you watching a lot of hockey at all? You know what? I'm watching more hockey this year than I have in the last 15 years, probably. It's, uh, <laughs> I've always been someone that, when I was playing the game and, and uh, at the rink every day, when I get home, kind of last thing I wanted to do was watch hockey. And mm-hmm. um, Now this year that I'm not there around it, I'm definitely more invested in watching, and uh, especially at night when the kids go to bed, I'll, I'll throw on the games. and Always uh, always watch the Flames pretty close. I kind of always have, but uh, uh, definitely this year with, like you said, the guys and the team that I know and I'm pretty good friends with. and um, Obviously, I have an Uncle Daryl behind the bench. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a team that I, that I definitely keep an eye on. And, and Vancouver too, but uh, obviously being in Alberta, you're just kind of prone to the Flames Oilers games. It's just kind of the way it works. I wanted to ask you about those three guys, like Markstrom, Chris Tanev, and, and Stetcher. You know, I, I know that you were close with all of them. You, you played a lot of years with with most of these guys. Uh, let's start with Tanev. I mean, when he was acquired by the Calgary Flames, I think a lot of people kind of weren't really thinking he was going to be much of an impact player. And they certainly thought that maybe injuries had taken their toll to the point where he wouldn't be that effective. Can you just speak to what a, what a leader he is in that room? Yeah, I think he, he probably came to Calgary and did everything that us guys in Vancouver knew he would do because when he left, it just left a hole on our team. I mean, it was mm-hmm. that summer we, we lost a couple of key guys and, and uh, you know, Mark Sherman was obviously one, but uh, Demko ended up having a, a good, good year and it kind of worked out for both guys. Um, but Tanny was obviously a special defenseman on our team. He played, you know, 20 plus minutes a night and um, even going against him in practice and stuff. He, he he's a hard guy to beat and, and uh, he's so steady back there and such a popular guy in the room. So I think when he came to Calgary, I remember being pretty disappointed when I seen he signed and um, a lot of disappointed guys in our team in, in Vancouver. So we knew, uh, we knew he was going to be a good player for the Flames here. Okay. And I just, finally, I'll let you go after this. I just wanted to ask you about Markstrom because uh, he's gone through uh, a really tough season this year. Uh, obviously nothing compared to what you've gone through, but uh, you've watched this from afar. And I'm assuming there's no doubt in your mind that uh, he would turn this around as he has over the last uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. You know what he, that uh, I think it was probably his last year in Vancouver there is when he really, or last two years, but the last year, especially he really took a step. You could tell he kind of went from being a, not sure about him goalie. And all of a sudden you could tell he was a, he was a bonafide starting goalie. And, um, he just kind of matured on, on on and off the ice and uh, really became a professional. So, um, again, when he left, it did leave a, a huge hole in, in Vancouver. And even though Demko uh, stepped in and did a great job, um, you know, Marky was, uh, was you know, a starting goalie at that point. And it's, it's hard to lose starting goalies in, in pre-agency. That's, that's hard to uh, hard for teams to overcome. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a good goalie, man. He's <laughs> When he's dialed in and practice or whatever, it's, uh, he's a tough guy to beat. And, I know he's going to be a good goalie for a long time. So he, uh, um, you know, he didn't didn't play a ton starting his first few years. He's got a, he's got a lot of games left in his body, and um, I think he's going to be good. And uh, I don't think there's any any concern from anyone how he's going to be uh, over the course of his tenure in Calgary. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brandon. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I, hopefully, it helps other people too who are going through long COVID. And uh, man, I hope to see you back on the ice again real soon in an NHL uniform. Uh, We will talk to you uh, soon. 
Okay, thanks for having me on, and uh, like I said, hope, hope to see you around too for sure. Yeah, all right, there he is. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon Sutter, uh, really, you got to cheer for a guy like that. He's always been one of those heart and soul guys, a real leader in, on his team, and uh, a guy who's just gone through something that uh, I guess we were all at risk of uh, enduring, which is uh, complications due to COVID, long COVID, and it's been hell. You heard his story there. It's not something that uh, you want to hear from anybody. Uh, let alone a professional athlete who feels like he's, you know, kind of been robbed of the last, potentially last couple of years of his career. He's 34 years of age right now. And I don't think, you know, if, if long COVID hadn't happened, I don't think there's any question. He probably, he'd certainly would have been playing for the Canucks this year. He'd signed a one-year contract. And I think that uh, there are a lot of teams that would still want a player like, like Brandon in, uh, in their organization, on their roster, helping youngsters, but more importantly, you know, playing those crucial roles of killing penalties, taking key face-offs, and a real glue guy uh, is Brandon Sutter. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm really hoping to see him get a chance, uh, at the very least, on a PTO somewhere in the league. Who knows? Maybe it'd be in Calgary. You never know. There are some connections between Brandon and the Calgary Flames that uh, could maybe be uh, connected. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with his uncle, Rich, Rich Sutter. And uh, we're going to talk to Rich about a lot of things. He's a, He's been a longtime scout in the National Hockey League, of course, played in the NHL for many years, one of six brothers who played in the league. He's uh, taken a year off of scouting this year, and he's uh, kind of involved in a couple of different things, including a podcast. So we'll ask him about that. We're also going to ask him about the Calgary Flames. He's also a golf junkie, and I know he wants to talk a little bit about the Players' Championship that just concluded yesterday with Scotty Scheffler winning. So... We'll get to uh, that and so much more with Rich Sutter after we take this break. But we want to thank Brandon for joining us on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. It's brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For takeout or delivery, call 403-248-3344 or dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. The uh, Eric Francis Show is brought to you every week by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll be back in just a couple minutes with Richie Sutter. This is the Eric Francis Show, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, welcome back to the Eric Francis Show. It's the Sutter Hour, Brandon Sutter, first half. Thank you for being so candid and open about his uh, long COVID situation. Our second guest, Rich Sutter, his uncle, uh, a jack of all trades, and uh, a hell of a good friend. Richie, how are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good, buddy. Thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, did you, I don't know if you heard uh, my chat with Brandon. It doesn't matter because you know the story inside out anyway. How, how tough has it been to see uh, your nephew go through something like that well honestly you know eric it's been brutal um you know when put it this way you you care so much about first of all brandon brandon shutter the the human being and then the hockey players obviously are second nature to this but it's just been really difficult to watch what he's him and gazelle and the family have had to go through um you know and that's not even, it's not even, you feel for it, right? You feel it. And um, you just go to bed at night praying that the, the end's in sight in terms of 
him getting some degree of health back, and it just seemed like it was never ever going to happen. And and uh, it's just uh, you, you worry sick about it. It's just not about Brian, but any young people that you see it going through in today's world, especially what we've been through the last two three years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not a good situation. But again, as we said earlier, he's skating with the Rebels, and he's hoping. Uh, Hoping that's all behind him now and he's going to get a chance, hopefully, to get a PTO or, or maybe sign with somebody in the National Hockey League. Okay, let's move on to something that I know is your uh, one of your passions. You're a golfer. I'm a golfer. The Players' Championship. Do you watch that on the weekend? Well, I honestly, I, I, I got home last night and watched a good part of the re-PVR of the, of the last round. I, um, I missed Saturdays. I traveled and went up to see mom. It was her mom's... Uh, 87th birthday, so um, we're on the road for five hours. We're not really watching it, obviously. I was flying like crazy to listen to it on uh, Sirius Radio, to much to the chagrin of my wife, Rhonda. <laughs> she said, like, really? Like, you're listening to golf on the radio? Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible, so, but if you're a junkie, you got to hear it. Yeah, you know, it was amazing. I just, this guy... Um, Nothing seems to bother him. Uh, if he has a shot that goes a little bit wayward on him, uh, it's like next shot up, get to the next shot, um, erase the one he just did. And just his mindset, how he goes about playing this game, is phenomenal. I, I just, it's so much fun to watch him and trying to learn a little bit from him or about him, about what his game is, how you do certain things on the course. And the thing about the thing that that's so nice to hear about this guy is just not about what kind of a golfer he's become in the last 13 months with all these titles and victories, but you hear about the other guys on the on the tour, how they talk about him, the respect they have for him, uh, the fun he has out there, uh, how friendly he is with everybody. Um, that's to me the most intriguing thing and the, the most gratifying thing to hear about a guy with that kind of success. It just, you know, his roots are, uh, he's, he's true to his roots. He hasn't changed. That is, uh, isn't that a nice departure from some of the other guys who've been number one over the years? I mean, Phil's quite polarizing. I'm a Phil Mickelson fan, but I get it. A lot of people are not. Uh, Tiger Woods, <laughs> polarizing to say the least. Uh, you know, and, and now you got the all around, all American good guy who's number one in the world. It is kind of nice to see that. I agree with you in that respect. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, you know, he, you know, the guy wins $4.5 million yesterday. You know, holy smokes, I guess. It's, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. It's a good day for his caddy, Todd Scott, too, to say the least. So um, it's, it's a cool story. It's amazing when you're watching the end of the golf when guys are missing two-footers and three-footers, and it happens. I mean – Happens to all of us, and uh, and but at that level, I, I remember one of the commentators saying uh, a guy had dumped a couple in the water on seventeen, as so many guys did, and they're like, "Wow, that that just cost him eight hundred thousand dollars," and that's got to be hard to swallow. Now, if they're swimming with fish like that, obviously the money's not an issue for them anyway, but it is really uh, puts things in perspective <clears throat> when a guy loses that much money with one swing of the club or two swings of the club. Well, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. know, and like you said, you put it puts things in perspective. That's a lot of money. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Um, 
but these guys have to learn to move on to to the next week or on to the to the next live the next day the right way in terms of how they approach to getting back on track and it's scary the money that's out there right now and how good these guys can be and um and how uh, how good a living they make yeah uh, we're talking to Rich Sutter. He's a uh, longtime scout, obviously a former player in the National Hockey League for many years. Broadcaster, does it all. I want to get into your podcast in a little bit because I'm fascinated with that. But uh, first I want to ask you about, you know, you've taken a year off of scouting here. And I, I'm just curious, what, how's that been for you? Because you've been immersed in the National Hockey League for a million years here. I don't make, I don't want to make you sound too old, but, you know, this is the first time probably in a long time that you've, kind of freed yourself from the hockey world and to a large extent what's that been like you know it's been good honestly i think it's been good to maybe take a step back mentally uh get caught up with everything at home um and really you know i've always been a fan of the game but you kind of get personal about some things in terms of you know in you know who you would who you're working with in terms of your employer and that and so you get a little personal, a little bit biased about that kind of stuff. But I've learned enough over the years to be rational, <clears throat> to uh, also be a real fan of the game and of, of the people in the game and and the teams. And in particular, you know, obviously you're partial to, you know, for example, as Nephew Brown, you're partial to the group he played with and every night you wanted to watch him play. Mm-hmm. No different than Nephew Brett. Uh, but the biggest thing is it's allowed me to sit back and, see the game from a little bit of a different viewpoint this year, Eric. Um, I still go to games. Uh, there's no doubt I, I still watch a ton of games at night. You know, Rhonda goes to bed. She's got to leave at home every morning or just after 7 for school. and So she's going to bed quite early at night, and she leaves my living room, our living room at 9 o'clock at night. She looks at me sideways, and she goes, okay, you've had three games so far. How many more are you watching tonight? <laughs> uh uh, so I'm not missing. I kind of, it kind of makes me feel I'm back in the COVID stage two years ago where you've seen a lot of games yeah. on TV, but, but <laughs> gratefully you're lucky to get to some American League and NHL games in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, it gives me a different perspective about, you know, I do, I do go to games and I do watch games on TV. I, I really feel quite differently than a lot of people do. Um, I'm not. I'm just not following the puck. I'm following other things that are going on in the ice. Uh, so sometimes the TV screen is not big enough uh, <laughs> yeah. to see how things transpire, happen. You know, why did this happen and that led to a goal or a breakdown? Well, here's where it started back here five seconds ago. But uh, you watch the game differently. Um, you know, people have always said to me, how come you never coached? Well, I think, you know, I love the 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 idea that what the the successes and the and the shortcomings that maybe some of my brothers have had in terms of good seasons, bad seasons behind the bench. But I've I've learned to do things a little bit differently. I wanted to when I come out of the game, Eric, I wanted to uh I had a unique opportunity to, to work with uh, hockey Canada for two years, two world championship teams, uh to the men's championships and then it didn't win them, but it gave me a real different perspective and an opportunity to work with great people. Uh, Pat Quinn, Brian Murray, just to name two of them. Um, and at that time, coming out of that, uh, the unique opportunity to put my name in the fire and get an interview 
uh, to be one of a select group of people to be named to build a Minnesota Wild franchise. And, and that was a unique opportunity. I was very fortunate to get that mm-hmm. job. Uh, first three years, though, you don't really have a hockey team. So you learn how to build a – you learned the business side of it. You learned the hockey side and how they overlapped with each other. And um, So it was really cool. I kind of got into my career a little bit different than the other brothers in terms of coaching where – where I feel my strength is that is learning to build franchises, learning to build hockey teams, learning to uh, to work with younger people, learning to listen to the younger people. But the biggest thing is to learn uh, and mm. to continue to learn. And I really feel that this time off has been really good for me because it's made me antsy again. It's made me want to get more engaged again. Oh, good. Uh, and, and I really feel that I've got a lot to offer to an NHL team out there that uh, it's just not about coaching. It's about other sides of the game, um, you know, bringing, bringing different players onto the scene or helping improve your organization in capacity. I feel that that's where my strengths really, really lie, and I hope yeah. that uh, something will come to fruition here. So you, you talk about learning, and as someone who studies the game, whether it's unofficial or official in your capacity – what have you learned about this Calgary Flames team? Like, how did they get to this point where they're clinging to the faint hope of a playoff spot? A team with all this talent. Uh, how'd they get here? Well, I would have never thought of, you know, when you look at the start they had in October. Uh, yeah. I think they were they were five and two, and they, you know, they beat good teams out of the gate. They beat Vegas, they beat Colorado, they beat Edmonton, they beat Carolina. Um <clears throat> But I still thought there were some some holes in their game. Uh, I think losing Shillington has been a bigger hole to to cover up or to plug than than most people would have thought, yeah, uh, especially coming off the season he had. And uh, and then, and then they had some shortcomings with their group. I mean, everyone talks about it, and I don't want to get to any length about it at all. But their goaltending has struggled. Uh, mm-hmm. Their defense has not been, I think nearly as, as strong on the back end as it has been as it was a year ago. Uh, I've thought long and hard about this group in the last month or so, Eric. I look back and I, and I, and I, I really go back and look what happened in Vegas a year ago. Um, I see a lot of similarities. Uh, when, I, when I honestly look at the Vegas Golden Knights and look at the Calgary Flames today, I do not see the Vegas Golden Knights as a much better hockey team than the Calgary Flames. It's just that their points ahead, and they're they're sitting they're sitting pretty comfortable with twenty year game you know with less than twenty games left in the season compared to the Flames. So I think it's just been a, it's been a one off for this group, and I think you know um, obviously this everyone talks about the struggles in that, and that's a fact. Uh, yeah, you you don't win in this league if you don't get strong strong goaltending every night, and look at what Jacobs done the last. Uh, and fall games. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's the goal that everyone expected when he came from Vancouver. That he was when he did when he did play uh, the right way, and he's the guy that we saw in the last handful of games that that they need to have. And when you get that type of goaltending, you get it. You get a legitimate chance to win in this league every night. And people need to realize it's a difficult league, league to win in. The uh, Margins of error are so so slim, and uh, you've seen the mistakes. How be it small some nights and larger other nights? How it's cost this group? I mean, are they have they scored many uh, or 
less goals than they have a year ago. Probably pretty close, but the bottom line is that uh, that one goal, you know, maybe every other night that they weren't that they needed to have has put them where they are today, and that's uh, chasing the game right now. Yeah, yeah, and you know, a big part of that, of course, has been Jonathan Huberto kind of struggling to find his way, re- find his form. I mean, the form that made him one of the great. Uh, left wingers in NHL history in terms of the season he had last year with 85 assists. No left winger in the game had ever had that many in one single season. Your brother, Daryl, doesn't seem to think that it matters too much whether a guy plays on the left or the right. Uh, He did move Huberto back to the left last night. He got a couple points. But is that, in your mind, is moving from one side to the other a big deal for an NHLer? I don't believe it is. I mean... (laughs) Hey, I'm not Jonathan Uberdo and I'm not in his class, but I know when I when I when I uh, was traded from Philadelphia uh, to Vancouver prior to the trade, you know we had a really good team that went to the final in Vancouver in, in Philly, and uh, you know I was asked to play left wing, which I'd never done before, and it changed my career in terms of it made me uh, uh, the ability of a guy to be able to play a couple of different positions, uh, which I think. Become- which I think become more valuable mm-hmm. uh, to my group, but also made me a better player. Made me see things a little bit differently. Uh, different, different viewpoint of how you come back in your own end, how you exit out of your own end, how you how you bring the playoff ice. Um, I don't think it matters in today's game. I think it's just it's just a matter of how you line up at a faceoff. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I want to uh, get it. We're talking to Rich Sutter. He's a podcaster now, and I've died to ask you about that because I can't find it online. I, I, you need to tell me a little bit more about it. But uh, before we get into that, the GM are meet the GMs are meeting here uh, this week, and one of the issues that it looks like they're going to discuss is something that's been bothering me for years. I love fighting in hockey. Don't get me wrong, especially when it's organic and it's a, a you know a response to something the other team did. Spontaneous fights to me, there's still a huge place in the game for it. But one of the things they want to talk about is trying to limit guys having to fight after they initiate a clean hit. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's the instigator rule, and I don't think they enforce that enough in those situations. But can anything be done in your mind, or should anything be done in your mind, to limit guys who throw out clean hits and still have to drop the mitts time and time again? It's, it, you know, honestly, Eric, I look at that every night and you see something happen and how someone has to jump into the fray to fight the guy. Uh, to me, that's, I get frustrated watching that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why guys do that because you don't do that in the playoffs. There's, there's lots of physical play in the playoffs and you see very, very little of, of that response in the playoffs. Uh, Look, if there wasn't if if there wasn't supposed to be hitting in the game, there'd be a rule that there was no hitting. <laughs> and then you see, you know, but I don't get it. As long as there's hitting is allowed to happen, which I think any real true hockey fan would love would love to continue to see that, but also loves to see the big hit. Um, I don't get it why players react like that. Uh, but that is the mindset of a lot of the players nowadays. That you can't, you got to be careful how physical you are because that can't happen. I, I totally disagree with it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it drives me crazy. Dion Phaneuf used to be challenged almost nightly 
And uh, I know Daryl told him, just stop fighting. Like, don't, the last thing we want is you in the penalty box after a clean hit. Doesn't make any sense to anybody. It's a, it's a great trade-off for the other team. But, but let me ask you this. As a great scout, I still remember, I always tell you every time I see you, you were the first one to point out to me, Tage Thompson, you said to me, he is going to be a star in this league. And this is when nobody knew who he was. I think he'd just been traded. And, and you know, you could see the size and, and maybe some of the skill, but I just, I didn't see what you saw. You saw that this guy could emerge to be one of the more dominant players in the National Hockey League this year. My question is, as someone who's in a bunch of hockey pools and there's a bunch of poolies listening, Who's the next guy here you're looking at right now saying that's a guy who keep an eye on because he is going to suddenly blossom in this league and be a star. You know, that's, I was hoping everyone can ask me that question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, there, there, there's so many good young guys out there in today's game. Uh, and I think the biggest thing it comes down to is it comes down to, uh, I think obviously everyone talks about hockey IQ and hockey ability and skating ability. Um, I think one thing that kind of, I wouldn't say has gone by the wayside in, teams, in terms of its importance, but I think it certainly is very, very high on the list if you want to say one through three, is still the, the individual's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the individual's uh, ability and his character to to do what it takes to get to the next level, to listen to your development people, to listen to your, to your coaches, uh, and to want to be better within your peer group on a daily basis. And, and I think that's what I absolutely saw in Tage Thompson was his willingness to want to do this. And it's a disappointment when I saw him playing in the minors, but knowing the character of the player starting because of his dad, uh, how willing he was going to be to pay the price. Uh, to get to where he wanted to be. And I, I really believe that that's a huge, huge um, piece of how you need to grade or, or feel a player is going to turn out. You have to look at that. Um, I think it's pretty obvious when you see the kids with all the ability in the world and skating ability and skill ability. But uh, if you wonder and question the, the character of the individual, uh, I think that uh, that loses its uh, ability and the player to achieve the goals or where everyone thinks he should be. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, the podcast. Tell me about this. Uh, you know, I know pretty much everybody has a podcast now, and I, why should you be any different? You've teamed up with two buddies of yours to throw together a podcast. You've done a handful of episodes already. Tell me what it's called, where people can find it, and what it's about. Uh, it is called Sud, Dino, and the Dog Father. Uh, and <laughs> Dean Sprill is a, is a was was a Canadian coach on the uh, men's uh, on the Canadian Golf Association for years here in Canada. Uh, Lethbridge native, now I married a local girl here, uh, and he's just been a true friend and a business partner for a few years. And he's been bugging me about this for a while and convinced me to start doing something with him here this winter. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, and uh, Del Valley, the other guy. Uh, is a is a I would call him at this point the former PGA uh, tour caddy uh, who's working on regaining his visa to get back onto the tour with his guys. Um, I think he's he's going to uh, he's kind of like one of the stars that I think of this show. He's got a lot of input and uh, knowledge with uh, knowing a lot of the guys on the tour. 
Um, you know, tonight we're, we're interviewing Taylor Pendrith, who is going to be a lot of fun to see uh, what he thought of the Players' Championship this weekend. But, mm-hmm. you know, these guys, uh, it's all about golf. The podcast is about golf and about hockey. Um, Dean, being from Scotland, still tries to throw in some soccer, what he call, we call soccer, he calls football over there, yeah. uh, into the show that we try and uh, kick him off about it. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, it's basically we want to talk about golf and hockey and what's gone in, in, in the last week in the world with it, and how and where's where we think things are going moving forward in the fall in the in the week upcoming. But it's been a lot of fun. Apple and Spotify is where we is where you'll find us, and uh, uh, it's been fun. Uh, we did a few trial runs here the first couple of months, and now we're uh, now these guys are wanting to get pretty serious about it. So we'll see where it goes. I love it. Suds, Dino, and the Dog Father. It's uh, yeah. available where you get all your fine podcasts. Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm racing off to the airport now to join the Flames in uh, Arizona. I'm gonna listen to uh, episodes on the plane. That'll be uh, that'll be something that'll keep me entertained, or maybe it'll put me to sleep. I don't know. You could tell me right now what which. <laughs> it's okay. I'll get I'll give it a thumbs up. I, I made a point to, 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 like. You know, some of these podcasts can go with guys get away with their language, but I've tried to make a point of not going there with that, even though Dell is, uh, goes right off the rails right away on it. But uh, it's, it's fun. It's been enjoyable so far. It's been learning. And, uh, hey, do you know what? Uh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, good for you. Exactly. It's got to be a lot of fun. That's good for you. I, I encourage people to check that out. Suds Dino and the Dog Father. Okay, last question before uh, we let Rich Sutter go. The Bruins appear to be the team to beat in the National Hockey League. Tell me if I'm wrong on that or if everybody's wrong on that. And also, who's the team in the West? Is it still Colorado that everyone's got to get through? I think the Bruins are definitely the team to beat. I mean, look, we all know everything starts at uh, even at the, at the starting line of the first game of the playoffs. It's all back to square one. But uh, they are a little bit of a lull, maybe the last two, three, four games. Uh not surprised, but I, I just look how they've added to that group um, to the deadline. Um, all they've done is strengthen it with, with, I think, with great depth. And, uh, you know, right from goaltender right on out. So I still think they're the team to beat. I mean, judging on the, on the schedule of what they've done to this point. Uh, you look at Colorado. I've been saying Colorado for the last two, three weeks. Have they struggled a little bit in the last two, three weeks? Yes, they have. Um, Look, the, the, they've got games in hand on the Flames, as an example, but they're they're right in the, they're right there. Uh-huh. So I I still don't know how they they just don't get in, but they make a lot of noise come playoff time. I just think they're it's uh it's not about it's not about I really don't believe it's about where you finish getting in. It's getting in because I think anything goes after that. I think uh, Daryl's uh, teams and Ali prove that. Uh, it's about just getting in and hitting it at the right time. And I think you look at Colorado, um, that's probably what they're they're aiming for right now. So I won't be surprised to see where they're at in the end. Awesome. All right, my friend. I appreciate your time. Good luck with the podcast. And uh, I look forward to seeing you down at the rink. I know I've seen you a couple of times. It's, your, it's always good to see your smiling face down at the Dome or anywhere around the league. So make sure you're not a stranger and come say hi next time you're in the rink. You bet. Thanks, Eric. Hope to see you soon. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Rich Sutter. That's on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. And uh, I love that he's jumped into the podcast world. And it's different. It's not just hockey talk. There's a little golf in there, too. 
turns out most people in Alberta like hockey and the golf. So uh, give it a listen. All right, that wraps up the Eric Francis Show. It's brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has a $312 million positive impact in Alberta annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. We'll be back again next week from LA where the Calgary Flames will be playing next Monday. And uh, we'll have two two new guests and uh, they'll be full of stories. Stay tuned now for Logan Gordon and Sweet Lou. Thanks for listening, everybody.